Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 72 for Monday, January 20th, 2020. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me, as always, is Johnny, but, of course, you likely know him as Pixel Riffs. Good day, sir. 2020-2020. Hello! Good to see you. Welcome <laughs> welcome back to The Spawn Chunks. It's been another week, and it feels like significantly less time since the last episode than it was previously, because I feel like we took, a, we took a long break over Christmas, and now I'm like, oh, it's Monday again already, and I get to talk to Joel about Minecraft. Exciting times. How how has your Minecraft week been? Because we've already talked a lot about the rest of our stuff, including a fair amount of sports talk that has happened in the render distance, which you can hear at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks. But now I'm, I'm done with sports. I'm ready to talk about video games, Joel. Yes. So I spent a fair amount of time uh, in video games last little while because of the weather <laughs> canadian uh, yes. winter says uh guilt free you can stay inside and play minecraft and it doesn't matter because it's either minus 20 or snow rain coming down sideways with 70 kilometer winds so uh -huh. it just all of it just says stay inside and play minecraft so uh i have been spending a fair amount of time on the block bank uh which is the system i've been talking about uh quite a bit on the show recently and it's done uh, the inside, the outside still has some decisions to be made, but um, the the inside is complete now. Uh, and so it has a whole bunch of stuff all filtered out. We've got a lot of the main blocks we're collecting from the area. I have my sand and gravel collected next to my concrete maker that automatically gives you more powder. I've got an auto smelter that pulls out coal for fuel and pulls out iron into the smelter. So you don't have to worry about that. Um, I've got a few other things filtered out, uh, and the rest of it is all, is all manual. Uh, everything is all clean and, and, and everything works the way that it should. And I'm excited because I got to test it this weekend. Uh, I expanded one of the roads, uh, on the, uh, modern city build, which involved a lot of land clearing and dumping an absolute ton of stuff into the system and really testing it. And I discovered that I can do a full inventory of stacks of like dirt, stone, whatever, We'll go into the system, just throwing them into a water stream, and they will get picked up and processed before they despawn. So an entire inventory in less than five minutes. Nice. Any, yeah, anything more than that. I'm not sure where the cutoff is, but I did dump in a lot of stuff one time, and I noticed that some things got despawned. They, they didn't make it into the system. We right, have, yeah. I had specifically, when you're clearing the meadows, you're going to pick up flowers and grass, and these are things that I'm not filtering. So they're good a good test because if they don't show up, in the overflow filter, that means that they've despawned somewhere. Yeah. So, um, but what alleviates that is my idea to have this shulker box loader and unloader at the top uh, as well. So if you've got more than an inventory, the best thing to do is to fill up the shulker with everything that you can and then dump the rest into the water stream. So the water stream can handle a full inventory, but the shulker can handle obviously a full uh, shulker because that won't despawn it gets broken into the water stream and then it gets dispensed and drained and then broken again so it doesn't hang around it's it's the contents are always within a system within seconds mm -hmm. uh, so i can basically do two inventories worth of stuff uh in one dump which is phenomenal it, yeah. it saved me so much time on stream uh putting stuff away so that was really really fun uh, and I've also got uh, some street lamps designed. So the outside now of the bank is the facade is done. I haven't done the inside. I haven't done the roof, but the the two walls that face the street uh, are done. They have street lamps that are 
just visual. They're just aesthetic for the look of a city street. And then there's also sidewalk lamps, which are meant for Minecraft because we don't want mobs spawning in front of the front doors of the bank. Mm -hmm. So I've got two designs. Street lamps are hard. Yeah. They are a rough design in Minecraft, man. Like there are no really good textures. Everything is just stone. Like there's, there, you can't make them out of anything unless you want them to be wood. That you can't really do much with them. Yeah. So, uh, and we're doing a very modern city. So it's not, see my street lamps around here. Cause I looked the other day when I was out, a lot of the street lamps in Dartmouth are actually attached to power poles, which are logs. Yeah. So that's the kind of older city. Now, if you get closer to the highways around here, then you've got like the metal street lamp and you know, it's got the, the arc to it with a light bulb over the street. Uh, it's very difficult to have that look in Minecraft. Currently I'm using sea lanterns cause they seem the most futuristic. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we've got, uh, the new andesite texture. So not polished, just regular andesite. So it's all connected and we've got them in like little angles of slabs. So it's like two slabs, one slab and three slabs. And it gets you kind of out over the, over the street. Uh, but the hard part was deciding on the height because we have this thing where I'm trying to make it look realistic, but then you've also got player scale and Minecraft to consider and things don't always look right, even if you've built them to scale Yeah, in the real world. And when it comes uh, to but, lighting, you've also got to consider whether or not it's actually affecting the ground below and whether you mob-proof stuff with that lighting or if it's just for aesthetic purposes. Yeah, so in this case, it's just for aesthetic because for this street lamp to look right, uh, it is so far away from the street that it doesn't affect it at all. Mm -hmm. uh, it might visually add like one or two light levels, but it's not enough to affect a mob spawn. And it's going to be directly below it. It's going to be the, the highest concentration Pre of that. Yeah, Precisely, yeah. So the, the block itself is 10 blocks between your head and it. So okay, um, right. the the arc of the street lamp, the pole part, the straight part is 12 blocks tall. And then the little slabby arch, which only adds like another block and a half uh is is on top of that and then of course the um the uh sea lantern hangs below it yeah so so that brings it down to 12 blocks above the ground 10 blocks from the player head that's far enough away that it looks right when you walk underneath it like mm -hmm. it doesn't feel too close it doesn't feel too far away yeah um so that's what we decided for the street lamp. And then I had uh, Geekwalk, a, a member of my uh, Twitch community, so shout out to Geekwalk, doing some Google Foo live when we were on stream and relaying uh, information about street lamps, which is, his, he found it, but the information itself was virtually useless. It's like, they range from four meters to 12 meters. Like, well, that's <laughs> ginormous. Like, yeah. it doesn't help at all. Um, and then uh, we decided on the largest because it looked the best. But then he said, on average, uh, they are three times their height apart. So a 10 meter high lamp would be 30 meters from its neighbor. And right. so we, for the sake of being easy on the, on the Citadel, because our city blocks are 31 blocks long, I just thought, okay, it's not perfect, but if it's a 12 high, um, 12 high street lamp and it's a 31 wide block, technically 36 would be the right spot, but it's going to be so much easier to just put one street lamp at the top of every block. Yeah, it's the kind of and thing it, I think where your eyes would probably adjust to the scale a little bit and it wouldn't look yeah. too far away from the real thing. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't It doesn't look too far off. And then when you get into a little bit of trouble at the corners because then the sidewalk is five wide and you put the street lamp at the edge of the sidewalk instead of uh, elsewhere. And, and so it, it all ends up working out because you've got an extra five blocks on the corner of the city block, but everything else in the middle is a little bit tighter. It's not something that you can notice at scale. So it's great. Uh, you, you, you'd never notice walking by them. 
Um, then the other challenge was coming up with a sidewalk light. So these are the kind of lampposts that you'd see maybe in like a city park or along a more decorative sidewalk where the light bulb is only about six or 10 feet from the ground. And the idea behind these is one to also look to look good, but to also light up the sidewalk a little bit. Um, it's not perfect. We're still going to have dark spots because uh, I don't want to have lights everywhere. Um, but these are really simple. They are a block, a wall, a fence, a hopper, a... A redstone lamp and then a, a daylight sensor. It's mm -hmm. just a straight line. We tried all kinds of different designs and ran into the same problem. It is really hard to make a street lamp that doesn't look like stone blocks piled funny. Yeah, <laughs> like it just, yeah, totally. It's really difficult. Um, but the advance uh, advantage of these is that they turn on and off with the sunlight, which is great. Uh, and uh, the new textures uh, for. Um, redstone lamps looks pretty good like you don't have to do a lot to it mm -hmm. you can just kind of leave it on its own um so we're quite happy with everything it it worked out quite well um we can do some variants on those uh i had some other submissions i think paranor and some other folks in my chat submitted some stuff on the discord where they would work but they would work better in more ornate places like a city park things where you might have like a lantern like one of the new yeah. minecraft lanterns hanging it's going to look um, a little bit more kind of victorian and stylized rather yeah, than like modern and yeah. utilitarian right park benches nearby that yeah. sort of thing um so yeah so i'm excited about this because it, it really having those lights in there really changed the look of the city from being quote-unquote under construction to well on its way it, nice. re it really starts to feel like it's got an aesthetic so that's my long rant about <laughs> about the modern city <laughs> no that's super cool to hear because i'm working on some modern stuff at my ski resorts uh project in the survival guide world which i need to return to this week and i built a parking lot for you know cars and and coach trips to to park there and i used some lanterns to decorate that doing what you think of as the kind of quote-unquote typical minecraft street lamp which is a bunch of fences piled up splitting at the top into one fence on either side and then the lights hanging down from those i put uh, cobblestone walls attached to the lower fences just to kind of separate them out a little bit but yeah. in that case i was spacing them out and making sure they were low enough to the ground so that they would evenly cover an area of the parking lot so i had to worry less about mob spawns even though i'm sleeping every day basically to make sure that i don't get too much stuff spawning around there i still figured it was best to have some functional lighting in the area and that was the best way i could think of to do it and you're right it is tough it's tough making anything that doesn't just look like oh i recognize that that's fences or cobblestone walls it's mm. the kind of block vocabulary you get as a frequent player of minecraft that allows you to not really see past the fact that oh i'm clearly using such and such material like the illusion is broken for you because you've used that block in so many other contexts in so many yeah. different ways before that maybe for a casual observer you'd be like wow that's a realistic looking street light and for everyone else they'd be like no that doesn't look like a street light at all <laughs> compared to <laughs> yeah. you know some of the stuff you've maybe seen with like modded stuff or texture packs yeah. that kind of thing that can yeah. really change the look of these things more stuff about modded and texture packs later in this episode by the way because we're going to yes. get we're going to get into it a little bit but um we're also going to be wrapping that into a discussion of what i've been doing in minecraft which is mostly skyblock lately i've been kind of alternating skyblock and the minecraft survival guide because i have some larger projects to work on in survival guide that are taking a bit more time and skyblock is a good thing to throw on in between because it's the kind of thing where i can probably head in record for an hour and still get a half hour video out of it whereas 
in survival guide the projects i'm working on right now are like i put eight hours into it for 20 minutes worth of footage you know i'm i'm oh, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to terraform some stuff i'm trying to build mountains for this ski resort that kind of thing it gets a little bit intense so i've been playing a lot of skyblock i've just got to the point where i've headed to the nether where there is equal amounts as there is in the overworld meaning basically nothing there are four blocks of obsidian between me and the void um and it's fun it's it's been a lot of fun getting back into skyblock seeing what is new because the last time i really put any time into a vanilla skyblock playthrough was back when minecraft 1.8 was the current version so you know there have been so many innovations and changes since then and this skyblock map uh, i will probably link to it in the uh, show notes is by dr trog has just been updated for 1.15 but i'm still using the 1.14 version uh, so I won't have immediate access to bee nests, but there will be a way of getting those, which we're going to cover in the news segment fairly soon. And yeah, it's 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 a pretty well-designed map. It gives you access to all of the stuff that you would not be able to get renewably in a skyblock setting through things like data packs. So it's going to be able to give you gravel because it's been added to the loot table for zombies. So zombies drop gravel now. It's nice and easy to farm those. And then right. you can take advantage of the coarse dirt recipe and hoeing the coarse dirt to get yourself more dirt. So you have renewable dirt in Skyblock, which was not possible before. They've also modified the composter so that once you start generating bone meal with a composter, that also drops dirt as well. So it kind of works more similarly to the... Um, I forget what the mod is called, but the one in, um, uh, is it Ex Nihilo? I think it, that's what it's called, in, in Sky Factory, where you can compost dirt and saplings and, uh, you can compost leaves and saplings and stuff in order to get more dirt to expand your tree farm. So yeah, there, there are a bunch of things in that pack which allow it to, in the Skyblock map rather, that allow it to be a little bit closer to a full vanilla experience without restricting you to not being able to use sand or gravel or clay for things because right. it's been added to uh the loot tables for various mobs likewise you can it's... get you get you can get quartz from blazes which is great because not oh, having yes. not having a fully generated nether um you would be cut off from using really useful things like observers or comparators if you wanted to automate more stuff and skyblock it turns out is a very technical map to play it is basically all about exploiting the mechanics of the game taking advantage of automation and using the fact that there is no terrain around you to produce very efficient farms so there's no it's, it's no secret that the sky uh the um the cycraft server recently did a very popular skyblock series in which they are using all of their expertise in making highly efficient mob farms and taking that to the next level because they can actually build them in the void where there is no terrain to clear around them Right. And that's something that I do find appealing about Skyblock. Yeah. I, I've watched some series yourself, uh, modded stuff. And then I've also been watching um, uh, Impulse, who was on the show a few yes. months ago. Uh, and Skizzleman, do the, I think they're doing a 115 Skyblock series, uh -huh. if yeah. I'm not familiar. Um, I, I started it, but I lost track over Christmas. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's to me, in some cases, you've got like that composter trick is awesome because, well, one, that's how composters work in real life. Yes, exactly. Uh, so so it's cool. I can understand why they don't work like that in Minecraft because like if there's one thing I don't want more of in vanilla Minecraft, it's more dirt. With default terrain. <laughs> I, yeah, absolutely. You've, yeah. Got, you've got plenty of it going <laughs> spare. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I'd rather have the bow and meal, obviously, uh, uh, especially in early game. So, so I can understand how that would be really cool. Uh, do you find that with a vanilla map in uh, Skyblock currently? And you said it was one fourteen. Uh, the map was designed in one fourteen. I am playing it in one fifteen yeah. now. Oh, okay. Um, do you find that there's a lot of quote unquote one block solutions, or do you still have to do pretty robust farms? Uh, you still have to do pretty robust farms. It's not like they've added in a mob grinder block that you can just have mobs fall onto and right. you get player kill drops. <clears throat> it's not automated in that sense. There are still things you have to set up that if you want iron from zombies and all of the starter crops and stuff like that, you're going to have to put the work in. So it does get right. a little bit grindy. There is nothing that's going to mine the cobblestone for you until you can mass craft TNT and start making TNT duplicators and stuff like that. So, right. Yeah, I, right. I have only just got to the point where thankfully I had a witch drop some redstone and uh, a couple of zombies dropped iron ingots. I was able to make myself a piston and a redstone torch and save a dot of redstone so that i could have a cobblestone generator that just pushes the cobblestone out from the back so i don't lose it in the lava with the basic nice. cobblestone generator that's generating it right next to the lava source so i i managed to make one of those relatively early and that is going to be nice because it saves you from losing a bunch of cobblestone and also just feels like you something you can just stand there and hold down the left mouse button and just mine your way through it until your pickaxe breaks but uh, it's nice. been an interesting that thing getting used to, like, the timings of stone tools again when I'm used to having such oh, yeah. efficient, like, you know, enchanted diamond tools in the survival guide. It kind of feels like a bit of a, a Back to Basics series. I enjoyed my little Back to Basics adventure in 15, 115 when it came out just before mm -hmm. Christmas when I was out looking for bees and I had to start with, like, stone tools and find some iron ingots at, like, a I think I, I found them at a, at a village. I was like, oh, sweet, I have an iron pickaxe now. And I even delayed, like I knew I could just go down to, you know, close to bedrock and pick up some, um, some diamonds and, and get to a diamond pickaxe. But I even just put that off just because like, well, I don't need it right now. Like I'm yeah. not mining anything. I'm chopping down trees and looking for bees. So I kind of was enjoying the early rudimentary experience because I don't get that. I'm, I've had diamond tools for ages on, on the Citadel. Yeah. And, uh, I can see... A, a, a map like Skyblock bringing back the idea of things in Minecraft being precious. Yes. Where I just I just have a ton of everything. So like you get four iron in Skyblock and you're like, okay, <laughs> this is important. <laughs> like yeah. These I need to not have these be wasted. You yeah. Know? It got to the point where uh, the traditional method of lighting a nether portal in a Skyblock world because you can't rely on having flint from gravel uh, is to set a bunch of planks down next to your lava source in your cobblestone generator and have a trail of fire burn its way to the obsidian frame that they give you 10 obsidian so you can make a nether portal it's to save the fact that you can't make a flint and steel because you know iron is incredibly <laughs> scarce and there is no way of getting renewable flint now in this pack of course there is a way of getting renewable flint because you can get gravel from zombies you can also get iron ingots from zombies so i had the option to make a flint and steel if i wanted to but then i thought do i want to use that iron for that yet basically i'm making sure that i have enough iron left over that if i fall into the void holding a bucket i am not then you know forced to go through the process of grinding a ton of zombies in order to make another bucket just so i can start moving water around because the mm. ability to move water around is actually really important in the early stages of skyblock right likewise you need a bucket to move the lava source around and that's the only lava you have so you can't afford to lose that really there's so many little considerations and changes to what you think of as the progression of Minecraft that it always feels refreshing every time you pick it up. If you've been playing vanilla Minecraft for a long time, you have the experience 
and you kind of want something a little bit different. The progression in Skyblock feels completely different to regular Minecraft, but uses all of the same components and the same mechanics. So it's really quite fun to dive into. So out of curiosity, do you have, like, I can see, like, custom recipes and stuff in data packs making a really cool difference in, in Skyblock, you know, like being able to craft gravel out of flint, for example. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the Skyblock starter, just because I don't know, um, do you get more than one bucket of water? Like, how do you, how do you get water in Skyblock? Uh, you typically start with a chest that has a bunch of stuff in it that you couldn't otherwise get. So you get ah. 10 blocks of obsidian, a bucket of water, and a bucket of lava, or you get, uh, a, a, I think you get ice blocks in this one. Uh, and okay. um, sometimes you'll get two ice blocks, so you can make an infinite water source. Sometimes you only get one ice block, and then you make that water source another way, either by... If the game gives you kelp, you end up growing kelp in a water in flowing water that turns it oh, into a water source. Right. Uh, in in the ah. case of this map, there are islands dotted around the rest of the map in a kind of circle around the central island, which have the other tree types on. So you get an acacia uh. tree, a jungle tree. There is an oak tree in a swamp biome that has a couple of extra water sources, and that's how I got right. my second water source. So nice. yeah, there, there are different ways of implementing stuff like that. And now, of course, we have the option of the wandering trader. So if you get to the point where you've progressed through the map enough that if you go to the nether, you find a nether fortress. There is one nether fortress that's a generated structure in the world. You get to make potions. You can brew a potion of weakness. You farm enough zombie pigmen to get gold for a golden apple. Then you cure villagers. You get emeralds from them. Suddenly you can buy saplings from the wandering trader. You could buy a bucket of fish because uh, the, the wandering trader sells puffer fish. He sells tropical fish. You can buy those. That gets you another bucket. Also gets you some more water if you needed that. You know, the wandering trader suddenly becomes really important when you're playing Skyblock, but the only unfortunate mm. problem is that you don't get emeralds until much later, so when he pops up early, he is the same annoyance he usually is, although I now have three leads in the chest that I got from his llamas, <laughs> so nice. occasionally he is a, a boon in Skyblock. But before we right talk on. too much about Skyblock, we should probably move on to the news, because we'll, we'll circle back around to this later in the episode. Yeah, well, I was going to say, speaking of the wandering trader, we actually have some news regarding the mm. wandering trader that came out uh, mere moments after we recorded last week's episode. Of course. They, uh, <laughs> they put out the 115.1, no, dot two pre-release one, and there has since been a pre-release two. Uh, but these pre-releases involve some changes, like any birch or oak sapling grown near a flower within two blocks distance of a tree at the same Y level has a 5% chance of having a bee's nest. Renewable bee be nests, it happened. <laughs> right it happened. after we did a show about how that would be a really good change. <laughs> There was even a comment on YouTube that said, like, I find it funny how Johnny and Joel will talk about something and then mere moments later, it's reality. And I'm just like, and my comment immediately was like, crack slabs, patiently yeah. waits for reality. <laughs> like, yeah. Just, I want. Uh, anyway, uh, bees nests now have a 2% chance of spawning in flower forests, and they now have a 0.2% chance of spawning in forest, wooded hills, birch forest, tall birch forest, burst birch forest hills and tall birch hills biomes so basically they did what would make sense uh in terms of where bees would spawn in the same way that you and i kind of suggested last mm -hmm. week so yay uh i the one thing that i'm missing from this amount of information is i don't know what the chance was in flower forests before i think it was 0.5 percent in any of the trees they were going to be generating in 
Uh, oh. So in plains biomes in flower forest, it was all 0.5% chance. The only thing about flower forests was there are more trees there than there are on plains biomes, which only have those occasional oak trees that mm. pop up and maybe a couple around the perimeter where it was still counted as a plains when it transitions okay. into a forest. It's really good that they have... Uh, bee nests spawning in birch forests now especially because birch forests are otherwise really unremarkable there's not a great deal yes. about them that is worthwhile and since most players don't really like using birch all that much it kind of makes them a non-end it, it kind of makes them like not really necessary in the grand scheme of things but putting them into uh, birch forests, putting bees nests spawning there more regularly is a really good change because it encourages players to use those biomes for something which previously mm -hmm. they had very little use also uh, uh just from a game mechanic a lot easier to spot a yellow bees nest up against a white birch tree mm -hmm. than a brown uh, a brown oak tree uh so good to know that the the it looks like the the chances in a plains biome are still pretty low but from 0 0.5 to 2 that's a significant chance yes. uh, increase uh, as well as increasing the number of biomes by five or six that these things can spawn in so that's great because uh, i haven't gone to look for bees yet <laughs> on the <laughs> citadel which means that i will more than likely uh, find them uh, as soon as i get into newly loaded chunks i should be able to find them pretty easily not that we don't already have some on the citadel uh, as i mentioned last week alistair has gone and done that but i i kind of want to explore to kind of see what it's like uh, to try to look for them myself. Uh, and speaking of other changes, we also have the do patrol spawning and do trader spawning game rules have been added to the game, which means that you can turn off patrols and turn off the wandering trader should you desire, uh, which is going to be good. I think we're actually going to be taking care of this on the Citadel. Uh, we wanted to wait until uh, some people wanted some patrols uh, because they wanted to capture some pillagers for the same reasons that you you did on, on the survival guide. Yeah. Um, but now that they're done, I think we can go in. Once we have 15-2 uh, running, we're going to, turn off patrols I, some people like the trader i'm not really particular i prefer to have them both turned off but we'll we'll put it to a vote i think yeah um there's also a added a gui light option in block models to allow controlling light when rendering models in the uh the ui on screen this is something that i've noticed about uh, a couple of blocks i think some blocks are lit incorrectly by default in 15.1 uh, i thought the grass block looked really dark and it turns out that when you light these blocks or these items in the inventory from a different direction, then the faces are different shades. Yeah. And so most of the time they're lit from above, which means that the top of the block, which has the texture on it, like grass will be light. And then the sides with the dirt will be darker. Uh, if you light it from the front, the dirt sides are bright and the grass is dark. And that I think is what it's showing up right now by default in, in 15.1. So uh, being able to control that is, is going to be cool. There's also a notable bug fix so among many others that we will have linked in the show notes. And that is that furnace minecarts lose power after navigating corners, which they no longer do. So they've, I guess, fixed furnace minecarts? Yes. I still don't think they're going to be useful. Furnace minecarts are quite unquote fixed. And we'll see if anybody comes up with useful uh, applications of them now that they are no longer suffering from these bugs. I know furnace minecarts were kind of, you know, the, the, the joke of the technical community for a while is like we need to try and find some sort of use for them and we I, I do still kind of hope that an overhaul of minecarts is on its way in the near future because i still feel like there is some stuff that can potentially be done to really improve the way minecarts are used for player transport but must go faster yeah and it is kind of it's it's a good thing i think that they are you know managing to dive in and fix stuff like that here and there and maybe it's a sign of things to come maybe it's just something they wanted to get taken care of in the meantime 
so that they can focus on other things. But yeah, good to know that that one has been fixed. You've got another notable bug fix as well, which uh, you've popped down in your section of the notes. So talk about this because it's uh, it's an Elytra thing. Yeah, so this is the last real, I guess, input I have on the 115.2. Most of it just seems to make sense. Um, they, As well, some of the bugs are a little bit odd in their wording, but not something that you necessarily always see in the game. Uh, but this fix is something that has killed me a number of times. And I know many people on my server has fallen victim to this as well. And that's MC153987. Falling down ladders <clears throat> at 100 miles an hour while wearing elytra, usually when you press spacebar by mistake. This has been fixed. Now when you press spacebar when you're on a ladder, when you have an elytra, you will simply climb the ladder. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't realize this was a bug. I thought this has been in the game for so long that I thought this was just an unfortunate way that a ladders and elytra interacted with one another. But I've got a number of ladders that are just these one wide shafts that you use to get from different places uh, within bases. And I can't tell you the number of times where I thought that I've jumped off the ladder and instead I've just turned and flown straight down into the ground and died because yeah. you're basically headbutting concrete at, you know, <laughs> terminal velocity. velocity. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah. I'm looking for. And, and I've, like... I've definitely died to this a couple of times myself. And I think this has probably been brought up as a change because it's now possible to open your elytra when traveling upwards as well as when traveling downwards. And mm. so the, the, the trick with ladders before is that you would always end up descending a little bit because you've taken your hand off of the the forward key if you wanted to have a little bit more control or maybe you've taken your hand off the space bar if you use the space bar to climb ladders you could sort of jump up the ladder basically and then you hit the space bar immediately to do another jump just to get onto whatever block is there and you end up falling and that's it's something that i've gotten used to to the point where it's almost a mechanic i would use occasionally almost as though you can like shimmy down a ladder a little bit faster but it would be a lot nicer to have something like that that's an intended mechanic instead of an unintended mechanic that ends up killing you by mistake a whole bunch of times which this definitely yeah. has my my brain is is unable to remember the exact key because it's so muscle memory now so when you're going up and down a ladder is it shift like is it your crouch button your sneak button that you use to like stop yeah yeah, okay. So for whatever reason, I would sometimes use spacebar for the same function. Yeah, and, and I you, you, I don't know you can, why that would be. You can kind of, you sometimes you hold shift, sometimes you hold space, sometimes you have a, a combination of the two. I personally find myself right. holding shift and space on scaffolding so that I'm not crouching to sneak down through a scaffolding tower, but I'm holding jump at the same time. It kind of balances you out and and keeps you in one place. And so I, so, yeah, I there, had this issue, yeah. There are different yeah. climbing mechanics for both ladders and scaffolding that now I feel like the muddy the, the waters have become muddied enough that I think they just mm -hmm. had to do away with this elytra issue for good. And I think it's going to take a little bit of getting used to if anybody was using that, like I said, to shimmy down ladders a little faster. Because if you look directly at the wall, then you find yourself gliding down slowly in the same sort of way you do when you're flying horizontally with elytra, and that can be controlled, but... If you don't know it's happening, it can take you by surprise before you can do anything about it. Relayed to me during my Twitch stream the other day about holding down shift and spacebar in order to um, press like a shift place 
uh, on an item uh, while on scaffolding because yeah. I've been trying to learn how to use scaffolding and been using it instead of using traditional scaffolding blocks like um, netherrack when I'm building the city. Because I've got these large buildings, I feel like it's probably a, a good time for me to learn how to use scaffolding. What I've decided is that I don't like scaffolding on big builds, but I prefer it when you only have to go up like five or six blocks. I yeah. like the street la street lamps. It was very useful uh, because the blocks, the scaffolding doesn't get caught on stuff when you chop it down. Yeah, and you uh, you also don't have to bridge out too far with the scaffolding if you're just working on something small. Whereas yeah, I I've found that inevitably I get twenty blocks up in the air and I want to bridge out further than six blocks. Suddenly I've got to create mm -hmm. another twenty block tower and I run out of scaffolding really quickly. So yeah, it's definitely no, something that... you have to plan for if you're working on something bigger. Yeah, that's the thing that I don't necessarily like about sca scaffolding. I think that's a little bit of a of a hindrance considering how like with regular dirt blocks you could just go for miles in one direction and a floating in <laughs> a floating scaffolding yeah uh the um the thing about that like with street lamps why this came up is because i was using things like anvils cauldrons and um hoppers in my street lamp design experiments mm -hmm. and of course whenever you want to place something on top of them you have to hold shift yeah uh so i was having running into that issue uh and then but also going down the scaffolding because i'm a noob with scaffolding i was like what's going on why this is stupid and then so someone said like oh hold space and shift at the same time I was like, oh of course that would make the kind of thing that you don't normally do in a ladder because of course it would kill you <laughs> yes which is why i didn't do it on scaffolding so uh so this to me i think is, is a good change uh, but there is a little bit more news to get to before we move on Yes, uh, Jeb has released version 5 of his experimental combat snapshots. This is not tied to a specific version of Minecraft, but is going to be a release across all versions, Java, Bedrock, and whatever else is left after that, um, basically to unify the combat mechanics of Minecraft. And this is the first version that they've actually signposted on Minecraft.net. Previously, these have all been posted on Reddit, and there are links back to the individual Reddit posts on this blog post that we will link in the show notes. Uh, so this is the most recent set of changes. Um, so weapons are now slightly weaker. He mentions in the post that basically the two pieces of feedback he was getting that made the most sense were that um, armor was too good, or no, uh, maybe armor was not good enough. I'm trying to work out how this works in regards to weapons being slightly weaker. But I think, yeah, ar armor wasn't enough to um, to really do a whole bunch. Um, and then um, people were healing too fast thanks to the food saturation regen boost uh, that people were getting uh, as of Minecraft 1.9 onwards. If your food saturation is full, then you get a much faster regeneration effect. Uh, so in this version of the combat snapshot, he has taken that out. So weapons are weaker and food saturation no longer gives a regeneration boost. In order to counterbalance that to make sure PvE players don't lose their minds, natural healing is now faster and occurs if your hunger is over 6 points, so 3 of the little hamshank graphics, rather than 18 hunger points, which was like almost full, basically. Um, in order to rebalance that slightly, eating food is slightly slower, and sprinting is no longer affected by the food value, which is an interesting point for me, but basically you could sprint until you were starving as far as I could tell. Um, that I haven't yeah. actually been in and tested this myself, but it's an interesting change. So uh, those are the key changes. There are probably a couple more that are just minor tweaks, and the breakdown of exactly how weapons have been weakened is there. Basically, there's no change to wood weapons, as far as I can tell, but stone has been made as powerful as wood was. Um, gold is slightly weaker, diamond is slightly weaker, even stuff like tridents and arrows are slightly weakened as well. 
There is one other thing that was changed in a previous iteration of these combat snapshots, which was uh, projectiles no longer factoring in player momentum. This was basically a change to make arrows more predictable and accurate, but because all projectile movement is calculated the same way, it also removed the mechanics that allowed for people to hurl splash potions a greater distance if they were sprinting and jumping at the same time as throwing them. You could throw them sort of upwards of 10, 12, 15 blocks if you were, you know, running the right way and jumped at the time you released a potion. And now, even if you're doing that, you still only throw them three or four blocks. So a lot of people pointed out that this mm. was a, a massive nerf to splash potions using those tactically, which is kind of one of the only reasons to have splash potions in PvP. It's also not as fun. Like, it just... Yeah. It, it, there, it's there's something about running and throwing something like that or running and shooting a bow that feels like you're that you know um shortstop in a baseball team that's catching a fly ball and then yeah like throwing it at first base while you're still running you know yeah. just the, the sideways whip you know it's also and, it's and, kind of removing a skill element from it i feel like yes. because it's mm -hmm. something you have to finesse slightly in order to get it to move mm -hmm. um cubfan135 pointed out on twitter and i think in a couple of the blog posts as well that uh, it also affects Ender Pearls and harmless stuff like his Trident golf course on the Hermitcraft server would basically be rendered impossible because the additional momentum you're getting by throwing yourself into the air with a Riptide Trident wouldn't affect the trajectory of an Ender Pearl you threw, basically meaning that everybody would end up throwing it the same distance and once again it's no longer something you can finesse. So a few players are kind of campaigning to put that back in. Of course this is still a snapshot, this is not you know finalized mechanics that are being added to the core game mm -hmm. just yet so there is still a chance for feedback and that's something that i feel like there could be a more elegant solution to than just completely removing all player momentum some people were suggesting that maybe thrown projectiles and arrow projectiles should be split into two separate categories and treated differently there are a few other uh, examples of that as well but that's the one that stood out yeah. to me one of the solutions I think that I read suggested on Reddit was having a charge up to throw. So if you're just clicking the mouse button, you're going to get the no momentum three block kind of like right. little toss. But if you much like holding down the button when you're pulling back an arrow uh, and it goes farther and and harder when you release it, if you did the same thing with a potion as if you're winding up, you know, as if you're yeah. put, throw, putting your hand farther behind your body before you throw that potion, then it would then get the momentum that it deserves, which would add another element of skill to this kind of thing and like bring that kind of uh, mechanic back into the game. I don't know how practical that is from a you know development standpoint, but it seemed like a really cool solution. It's like, well, rather than removing it completely, just add another layer of skill that's needed to to keep it in the game. Um, I I have a hard time understanding where a lot of the decisions are being made to make all these changes. That they, uh, I, I I will admit that as someone that barely fights stuff in the environment and certainly doesn't PvP. Um, it all just kind of feels like arbitrary changes to me. Like I don't understand a lot of it. Um, I just, I, all I get is what, what's being communicated in, in the change logs. So things like experimental enchant for axis called chopping. So, well, that's, what does it do? Like, yeah, um, you know, like the, it, on the, to, uh, I guess I have to play it to figure it out. But it's on, just, on it's the like... Mine, the Minecraft.net blog post is fairly vague about this. Um, but then if you go back a couple of Reddit posts, we actually covered this at the time when it was it was valid for the the, the oh, kind did of we? News, okay. news section. Yeah, chopping is basically a um, I think it's something for axes which allows you to um, break shield guards. 
I think that might be oh, it's it's related it's I, related to that. Now. Yeah. Now see if you could make this more interesting for PvE players and for builders and stuff like that and include that chopping enchant to maybe also break more than one log at a time. Yeah, yeah. You know, like stuff like that would be would be cool. Uh or you know, to give an an axe efficiency without a beacon around. Thing stuff like that could be I, I could I can understand how some of the changes to weapons and tools in and the, the combat snapshot could maybe bleed over and benefit everybody, you know, in the, the vanilla side of the game. But it's again, like it's, I, I wish that was just a little bit more information. I also find, you know, speaking of like, you know, where to find this stuff, I'm glad that they're moving some of the notifications to being signposted on minecraft.net because I, I, I'm not a big Reddit guy. And yeah. I do find that coming through the Reddit posts and trying to figure out what's what, uh, is a little bit difficult. But on the flip side, I also find that the new minecraft.net layout uh while they do say like the newest news is right there on the front page the experimental snapshot is there but neither of the um pre-releases for 15 to uh for pre-1 and pre-2 were on the main page uh, i had to go they're not in the scroll at the top you have to scroll down even further and then like click read more and it, it's all a little bit more buried than it used to be for sure i didn't see the read more anywhere um yeah oh i see i see load more down at the bottom so see, and this is the thing like i it took me forever to to find just the links uh i think i was um, passing it on to another server mate to to talk about like 15 2 and the changes and i was trying to google it and i couldn't find it and i was just like guys like you just you have this really nice layout on minecraft.net now put this stuff at the top yeah you know like the snapshots could should be in that first news section i i think uh there's also some very cool stuff there as well like there's culture builds and free skin packs and things and i, I agree that that all needs a space but i feel like adding one more little thing to this ticker where your re more, most recent snapshot information is there as well would be very helpful yeah i i think they they're probably going to put the full releases going in there so when 115.2 comes out of pre-releases it's probably going to go at the top of the page so people have an yeah. easy to read change log it's really kind of burying the snapshot stuff for people who are interested in that and surfacing the mm. stuff that is more relevant to the quote-unquote average player and who knows what that is in the in the case of the minecraft community yeah. so it's uh, it's kind of fun uh the the only other thing i have to say about the snapshot is i'm not i'm not sure how i feel as a primarily pve player about the health regen boost going away because i've definitely used that mm. to get out of tight situations before but on the other hand i can see how it's clearly going to help the pvp community avoid situations where defending players just run away cramming food in their mouths and then they have full health five seconds later you know i think it's going to make fights a little bit more tense a little bit closer and probably a little bit faster and it's going to prevent that slowdown of combat that they were worried about happening but um the only other thing i wanted to cover in the news before we go ahead is our apparently now weekly checkup on the progress of optifine for 115 it is 60 percent done as of january 17th so still plugging away at that uh, hopefully we'll see Optifine turn up sometime around February, March at this pace, but uh, it will be welcome when it returns. So I think we've got a, a a quick email read this week. There's there's some longer emails, but not a huge amount of discussion, more just like some information feedback that we've received from, from our listeners. So do you want to grab the first one? Absolutely. Uh, this one comes in from Andy, who I believe is a member of our Discord. Uh, this is from a 1.15 server admin, and I think it's more directly addressing some of the server um, performance issues and, and chunk loading issues that you were talking about on last week's show. And he says, I admin two servers now. One is a 1.14 world, which we've updated to 1.15. The other is new to 1.15. 
The 114 world was running paper server and performance has been pretty much the same server side and not having issues at all. I would take a look at your provider and data packs. I know you've mentioned having Voodoo Beard's Shulkamite's data pack. That one generates lots of extra load on the server in particular, and I removed it after testing. Paper and Spigot's timings report makes it easy to track this stuff down, but in a vanilla server you might not have access to that. My other 115 server is a skyblock world, so it's a void and we're all new with very little to cause lag. It's running in the fabric loader with carpet mod. I'm not using any of the non-vanilla elements in carpet. I just use it to make it easy to monitor TPS, ticks per second, MSTP, no idea what that acronym means, and what is causing performance issues if there are any. I have mine hosted on extra VM and both are on 4.2 GHz or faster servers with NVMe storage. When you updated to 115, Joel, did you use the force update flag on your first launch? If not, this might uh, help some to make the server go through and optimize all of the chunks to the new format. This can be done by request from your hosting provider. It will do it as you load them later, but it can help to do all of this at once. I'm kind of a server nerd and enjoy doing admin almost as much as playing. I guess it's in my nature. I've been a server admin as a job since the late 90s. So uh, a little bit of stuff for you to uh, sort through there. Not being a server nerd myself, uh, most of this goes over my head. And I don't know much about the workflow of being a server host, but I kind of wonder how much behind the scenes effort goes into making sure servers are running optimally and how much is kind of left for the layman to figure out for themselves. Because I'd imagine if this force update thing is something that the server hosts have to do, it would kind of make sense for the server hosts to do it whenever they updated you to the most recent version of Minecraft, if that's something they're in control of. So I've done, I've downloaded and backed up the world and then used the server to update to 115. But I don't remember there being any kind of forced update. It just kind of worked. Um, so I don't know on that regard. I don't remember there being any sort of like the first time because I because when I launch in, I just get the player interface. I don't get the um, uh, the same sort of interaction you would if you updated a single player world where it says, are you sure you want to update this? Because yeah. that happens with the world that I have. I've got a little test world that I use to take screenshots sometimes for the title card art for spawn chunks. And so whenever we roll over to a new update, it always says, are you sure you want to update? And I always say yes, because like there's nothing precious in here. I'm just building stuff quickly to take pictures. And and so I feel like um, I'd have to inquire about that. I am running the Voodoo Beard Shulker Mites data pack. I am running a, a number of Vanilla Tweaks data packs, and I double-checked everything and uh, updated them all to what Vanilla Tweaks said was the 115 versions as of Boxing Day, so like December 26th. That's kind of what I did that day, just kind of relaxing at home. And in inspecting some of them, I realized that the uh, pack format was not right. And so even though I had downloaded the correct and even re-downloaded the, the correct um, data packs from Vanilla Tweaks, the the pack da data, the pack format was still wrong. So I fixed that and then uploaded them again. So everything on the server, as far as data packs have been checked, we really don't run anything super heavy. A lot of it is stuff that it's like UI things like coordinates, nether portals, um, spawning spheres. They're things that you have to activate and then deactivate. So they're not necessarily running all the time. However, the, the Voodoo Beards Shulkermites data pack is running all the time. And yeah. I have no way of testing which one is causing a problem outside of the uh, the console log. And since I cleaned everything up and got rid of a couple of things, including some data tracking, um, which was again, another older vanilla tweaks thing that, that we weren't using, um, it, it seems like we're getting less warnings and less errors in the console. 
I'm not noticing any improvement in performance, but I still have to get to a point where I'm comparing my 114 and 113 experience to my 115 experience. Essentially, I'm waiting for Optifine to be finished because mm-hmm. then I can say, okay, I'm using the same or a faster computer. I have the exact same internet connection. I have the exact same Minecraft setup. The only thing that's different is that we've got, you know, we've got 115.2 instead of 114. How is the server running now? Yeah. And then I feel like I can I can write a ticket to my host provider and say like, look, we, we've got these data packs installed. Do you have any tools that you can tell me if this is an issue? Can you force, you know, world uh, force update the world? In that same ticket, I could say, I backed up the world this morning. So do what you need to do. We're fine. Yeah. You know, so I can have all that kind of stuff prepared. Um, it has been a little bit of a learning curve to me now that I've got two servers. Uh, I've got the patron server and then, of course, the Citadel. And um, I- I'm relying heavily on some more technically minded people <laughs> that are part of my community to kind of point me in the direction of like, this is where things are going awry. Um, the only thing that I'll say uh, that I've been experiencing that I'm still unsure of is a lot of player position, even just player direction, like where you're looking, I'm getting some lag there, um, which is odd. And I don't know whether that's Minecraft or whether that's server side. I'm leaning on the fact that it's probably server side. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the other thing is um, that's the opposite of lag is that I'm finding that the Elytra takeoff is like instantaneous. So that's not lagging. And so I don't know kind of where we are, but I really appreciate the, the, the tips, Andy. I, um, if there's a way, uh, if you want to tag me in the discord or, or get in touch about the voodoo peers, Shulkermites data pack, and maybe tell me why it's laggy. Uh, I'd like to know, I'd love to know why. Um, and, and if there's any way that our listeners could look out for data packs that may look cool, but are going to lag out your world because they're inefficiently made. Uh, that would be nice to know because sometimes there's alternatives to the same data pack. It's just called something different. Maybe it's not as quite, quite as shiny, but if it doesn't lag out your world, we know that everybody that plays Minecraft has a range of devices uh, and capabilities. Uh, and so that it might benefit people to have um, a more efficient data pack that does the same thing. For sure. Yeah. Uh, we got a couple of other emails left to read. How about yes. you take number two and I'll tag back in for number three. Sure. Uh, this is from Daniel T. Hey, Joel and Pixarifs. I just wanted to chime in on a topic uh, from last week. You guys were doing wonderful content and almost always infinite amount of entertainment. In regards to setting up an ender chest, I tend to stick to keeping to the top 18 slots for predetermined shulker boxes, redstone, food, backup gear, etc., while leaving the bottom nine empty. I play on what I would describe as a nomadic kind of world uh, in where I roam very often in search of cool terrain generation to eventually build or just adventure when I can find any inspiration to build. Uh, So leaving the bottom nine open lets me either commit those slots for shulker boxes to fill with the loot I get from adventures. So I'm not constantly returning or on the flip side, when I actually have inspiration to the, the build leaves room for all the materials I'll need for that project or at uh, at least a large chunk of depending on the size of the project. Uh, also, a couple sulker boxes I keep that weren't mentioned, while arguably unnecessary, I find useful are a shulker box based around combat for when I'm out adventuring or in case I want to fight a wither in an open raid or do an open raid the normal way. A shulker always called wallet I f- filled with both emeralds and common items to trade with on the go-to later when I have an established trading hall. 
and a shulker I have a bunch of named pieces of paper in. I find this one really cool. Uh, these pieces of paper have the projects I have planned and I am working on. So whenever I'm logged off, I can just place a piece of paper with a project uh, I'm working on in my inventory uh, in case I don't play for a while so I know exactly what I'm working on when I log back in. I thought that was really cool. It's like a to-do list in Minecraft, yeah. which is yeah, kind I like of a smart a way to do that. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, also, a, a good life hack I learned from Filza, who is a hardcore Minecraft streamer YouTuber, is to keep a stack of Eyes of Ender. So if you are very far out in your Minecraft world with a broken elytra or no rockets, you can find the closest stronghold and use it as an end portal to return to spawn as long as you take a bed to sleep with you uh, along the way and don't leave the bed or just go to sleep once you leave the base. So basically, if you break the bed and you you don't have a way to you, you don't have a spawn point set, you can use uh, the nearest stronghold to then get back to spawn mm -hmm. on your world. Ah, that that was really cool. I never would have thought of that. I just I just kind of end up going wherever the bed is. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's, it's pretty kinda... sensible, and it seems like a sensible thing to do if you're Filza and you're playing in hardcore all of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And these are kind of things I think I think I don't think of because I'm not playing hardcore and I'm on a world yeah. that I haven't reset. Right. Yes. So yeah, again. Totally. Great, great feedback from Daniel T. I just thought it was worth sharing the uh, little tips in the in the shulker box. Specifically, I like the notes of what you're working on. I thought that was a good idea. Yeah, I think having an in-game to-do list is kind of fun. A lot of people just put a bunch of signs on a wall, but having it constantly with you so you know what you're working on, especially if there are long periods of time where you're not able to play. Like personally, I'm playing Minecraft like most days, so typically I know what I'm working on. But yeah, if you're somebody who can't play for like a few weeks, you've got a work project or something, and then you have to, you know, return to what you were doing and you've completely forgotten it can help to have those little in-game reminders uh, so this last email comes from Ron D is another super quick email uh, which is titled positively charged about bees uh, it says this is more for Joel specifically but the buzz that bees make is great for electric fences I don't know if this would fit within your modern city project or not but it's a a good thing to keep in mind for similar uses especially useful if you have older more rundown buildings a light bulb or an older machine buzzing could add a lot of realism I just thought this was a cool idea. Yes. <laughs> I never would have thought to use the sounds from bees to make like a buzzing fence in a modern city. That's great. Big fan of details like this. Uh, there was an old Halloween build done by a, a acquaintance of mine, Tree Root Plays, who no longer really plays Minecraft. I think he's a semi-professional Rocket League player these days. It's funny how these careers take us in different directions. But um, he was a really great builder. He used to build in um, Mega Tiger biomes a lot and had a lot of kind of old, rundown, sort of medieval-style houses. And he put a guardian in the attic one time just for that moaning noise they make. Imagine sort of wandering into a, a, a kind of haunted house build and having that from guardians in the background it was a really nice. really neat idea and i eventually kind of recycled that but put an elder guardian in the basement of a haunted house build i did for my one chunk series so that not only do you get the creepy noises throughout the house but you also get the jump scare of the elder guardian's face appearing to give you that mining fatigue effect so and there's uh, that bong kind of like bell noise that happens too yes it's, like it's quite loud yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's a great idea i like i like the the idea of the guardians it reminds me of like the creative use of guardians that uh impulse did with he was using the, they were lasering a squid and he was making like a yeah, light yeah. show <laughs> like, yeah there's a bunch of different things that you can do with with some mobs that have some unique abilities and effects that i often overlook in in minecraft yes mobs for foley work is kind of an underrated detail <laughs> but uh, there we go anyway uh let's move on to our main topic where we are going to be talking a little bit about uh as we said earlier my kind of skyblock experience but leaning a little bit more into modded minecraft because you've been uh spectating a little bit of modded minecraft lately with a view to getting into it Yes, so I've 
not really caught up on your series currently, but I've watched you play modded before. We were mm-hmm. catching up a little bit in the pre-show, and I and I, I I know that I was watching one of your factory skyblock, I think, playthroughs. Yeah, Sky Factory uh, Three is a series I got really into for a while. Yeah, and then I've I've like I said, I was watching uh, Impulse and Skizzleman before Christmas. Uh, them them playing the Skyblock One Fifteen, uh, which I think was their way of getting into One Fifteen before it was really stable. You know, yeah, working yeah, on servers. There are some Skyblock packs that they even update along with the snapshots, just so you can kind of test out features in a vanilla yeah. context. I know uh, Python was doing that with his vanilla world as well, but I think he's done Skyblock stuff like that before. That's a great idea, actually, to have a Skyblock playthrough for the for the um, pre-releases and stuff. Like that's yeah. an excellent way to test stuff because I mean, Skyblock wouldn't for me wouldn't be as precious as as say my you know the Citadel. Um, and then uh, I've been watching a lot of Iskal85 play Funcraft, which is a much more in-depth um, mod pack than I'm used to watching. Uh, yeah. But he's going through it at a pace, and I'm watching VODs. They're not videos, so you're not seeing these giant cutaways of like three hours have gone by. Uh, so I'm watching him muscle through concepts for how can I, and again, I'm gonna, I might get some of these names wrong, but it's, it's Batania, and applied energistics, I think, are the two things mm-hmm. he was working on most recently in the videos that I've been watching, which I think are still before Christmas. Um, and what was happening was that he was trying to use two different mods to automate one of the uh, crafting recipes from Batania. It involved like dropping things on an altar and they had to be specifically timed and there couldn't be more than three at a time. And, and it was really, really cool because some of it is the same kind of things that you do with vanilla redstone, but then he was using the uh, different solutions that are available in the mod pack to, to do that. So it was easy to follow because he's going through it live and and puzzling through it live. So I've been able to pick up a lot by watching and it has me interested in doing some stuff because I've mentioned before on the Citadel that I want to do a sci-fi build. I'm kind of wondering whether I'm going to be really frustrated trying to do sci-fi in vanilla Minecraft where I might be able to scratch that itch a little bit better if I used a mod pack where things are just going to look more sci-fi because you seem to have more tech stuff happening. Not that Batania is very techy, but like Applied Energistics is certainly a very techy mod. Yeah, and, and even, even if you're not using some of those blocks for their intended purpose, they're still going to look great in an aesthetic sci-fi build. Yeah, exactly. Energistics. Bl- blinky lights uh, <laughs> modded tends to have a lot of different textures, a lot of metal, a lot of, a lot of smooth blocks, a lot of options for things. Just being able to put a trap door down and make it any color you want, like things like that, I feel are mm-hmm. just enough of a touch that uh, would pull me in to do some sci-fi stuff there. Um, I'm I'm obviously drawing a lot of my um, my No Man's Sky <laughs> playthrough <Yeah. laughs> over the holidays back into this. But the question that I had for you about Skyblock specifically. So Skyblock is modded, but it's it's a vanilla map essentially. Yeah, um, it started out as a vanilla map back in the alpha days of Minecraft, effectively, where people were still kind of like hacking together interesting maps, and it kind of grew up alongside the survival island format of a Minecraft Let's Play, where effectively the map had been edited so there was an infinite ocean and just one island with a tree, a fairly limited amount of dirt, but you could still go caving, and effectively you had to just build up a colony from there as much or as little as you wanted to really but you just had to start out with just one tree and then build minecraft from there 
Uh, Skyblock was a similar kind of thing. It started in alpha and the idea was you're just on a block of dirt in the sky, not just a single block typically, but like a, a large collection of dirt and grass blocks with one tree and the supplies to make a cobblestone generator. So then you can make a wooden pickaxe, harvest your first bits of cobble, and then use an infinite cobble generator to expand the island around you. Basically, as soon as people figured out Minecraft had infinite resources, that led into uh, other game mechanics like that. And since then, Skyblock has been used as a vanilla map, but also the setting for a variety of mod packs. Um, the thing I think about Skyblock is that it gives you easy objectives. Basically, your first objective is not one that has to kind of check the boxes of a specific mod pack it's essentially get yourself more terrain allow yourself to have a larger platform to stand on because that's going to be helpful um you're not going to be able to do very much just working with a kind of l shape of three by three areas of grass so the first objective is always to start getting you know wooden tools and things like that figured out but then what you do with those at that point varies in traditional vanilla skyblock you end up just making a cobblestone generator you build a lot of your early stuff out of cobblestone and wood and then in the example of the pack the the, the the map that i'm playing right now you end up generating dirt through the vanilla means you can generate dirt in regular minecraft but nobody bothers because dirt is everywhere but you can get it by duplicating it using coarse dirt or you can in this case uh with the modified composter you end up getting it through that in sky factory 3 you end up um, generating dirt through composting leaves and saplings. You sift that dirt to get pebbles, and the pebbles can be turned into cobblestone, and then you can melt the cobblestone down in a crucible so that you can get lava, and then that's how you get the lava that then becomes your first cobblestone generator. So there are additional steps in between all of the things you think of as the regular vanilla progression, but instead of having a kitchen sink mod pack where you just get a pre-generated world with a ton of mods and you're told to do whatever you want, I feel like it gives you a more structured approach to mods. And so that's why I think Skyblock is actually a really good early setting for learning about mods, because typically it will come with a quest book prompting you what to do next when otherwise you would have virtually no idea how to get to the stages where you can produce the blocks that you want to build with or have a sorting system like in Applied Energistics, the mod you were talking about that Iskull has been playing with. A lot of that doesn't necessarily come intuitively just from within Minecraft's own interface, but having a quest book or an achievement book, something that you can check off all of the items on a list until you've got where you want to be, is actually really helpful. So with your Skyblock series, would you call it modded or is it this is, is it vanilla is it just is does it just have like data packs that are that just take advantage of like 115 mechanics yeah. in a way that makes it playable this is kind of a contentious issue it depends whether you consider data packs modding personally i well, don't at I, this point i mean well technically they are mods what i'm saying is that you don't have a forge or a spigot or a no, you don't no, no. have a you don't have a mod loader you're you're running the vanilla game yeah this this is all yeah. just through a vanilla client with the data packs that are you know people have written for vanilla and it's just right. a map that i've downloaded from uh planet minecraft and uh, once again that's linked earlier in the episode it's also linked in the description of all of my skyblock videos if anyone wants to check it out there as well nice. but uh yeah it is it's not 
they haven't added in new stuff that is not necessarily present in vanilla. They're not adding new blocks. They're not, you know, dramatically changing some stuff. It's not the kind of data packs either where you have things that change what a carrot on a stick looks like in order for you to be able to rotate redstone components and stuff like that. There's right. nothing no, like just... that has been added. You are relying on your knowledge of vanilla mechanics in order to get you through it rather than... It's, yeah, the... it sounds like mostly uh, recipe tweaks and loot table tweaks. Yes, basically that's yeah. what it is. It's 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 yeah. mainly loot table stuff from from my understanding of it. And then a little bit of custom map creation has gone into making sure that there is an end portal in the world which otherwise, you know, right. the the map hasn't generated a stronghold in the sky. The end portal is actually somewhere in the Nether Fortress, I believe, in this oh, map. Cool. So so you actually have to explore to the Nether in order to get to the end and um, yeah, the, you're still relying on natural things like potion brewing to be able to cure zombie villagers. There isn't like an extra way of doing that. You still need to, you know, farm a few mobs and that kind of thing. And the only difference is, like you said, being loot tables have changed so that you can get some of the items and blocks that you wouldn't be able to get because there isn't vanilla terrain around you and there is no yeah. other way of getting gravel in Minecraft. Um, sand presumably could be traded from the wandering trader, but that would be a laborious way of doing things. And yeah. in lieu of having the modded kind of quest book or achievement book kind of thing, they've actually used the advancements tab really well in this skyblock map in particular because this one has a bunch of the progression of the map and some of the things that they have changed outlined for you in the advancements menu so if you open that up and you've got a couple of tools already it will have launched the advancement tree which then tells you uh you know once you've created a platform that's however many blocks away so you can spawn mobs you get the monster hunter achievement for killing one of them and then it says okay zombies drop gravel so get a stack of gravel from zombies husks drop sand get a stack of sand from husks and those become your objectives if you want to go through the kind of process of collecting things but really that's just signposting here is where you get those materials right yeah it gives you it gives you a quest but it also educates you as okay that's where sand comes from i have yeah. to make a husk yeah i have to do a a dark mob spawning room in a in a desert biome yeah yeah so and is there is there a world border is, not it... not to my knowledge and oh, okay. if there if there is one it is very far away but i think the right. idea here is that once you get to the point where you could in theory generate a near infinite amount of material what's stopping you like there, there shouldn't really right. be anything to hold you back and if you played right. in a skyblock map for long enough you could probably create some fairly realistic looking minecraft terrain if you wanted it to not look like skyblock anymore but i don't right. think there is really a need for a world border other than the one that naturally exists three the 30 million blocks out in a minecraft world right yeah, uh, okay. is is simply because you know why would you want to go there at that point yeah. there, there isn't really no. anything to explore in the sense that there is in the minecraft worlds we're used to with the exception that i think some generated structures have been placed further out further than the perimeter of what the player can see when you start out on that central island and once you have a few villagers cured you can turn one of them into a cartographer get a couple of maps from him and find a generated woodland mansion a generated ocean monument and a few other structures that have been hidden around the landscape i believe one of the more recent updates also includes a witch hut and the mm reissue of this map for 1.15 has some trees that have bee nests in it 
but now 115.2 is coming out and is going to allow you to regenerate bees nests i'm not going to worry about updating because then i'll be able to just regenerate bees nests as long as i have flowers and a couple of birch saplings yeah no that makes sense so when you're when you're playing you know skyblock in this way like do you approach it like a checklist do you go through it like you would a tech mod like how how do you approach your play do you still want to build something that looks nice are you worried i guess it's a early game you really can't be worried too much about what you're building stuff out of it's mostly cobblestone dirt and wood i would imagine it really is yes to to a depressing degree at this point but <laughs> no i am i'm very much i've already smelted a few stacks of cobblestone in preparation for it being smooth stone so i can start building something that looks nice uh right, right now i'm i'm only five episodes into my series and i'm just now bridging out to the other islands that encircle the central island in order to collect the different wood types uh, i had a very close call where i almost didn't get a sapling from the spruce tree which would have made me very very sad and i would have to buy them from the wandering trader later probably uh, right but once again that's where the wandering trader actually comes into its own and is a vital source of some stuff that you might not otherwise be able to get hold of um but then yeah having jungle wood now and there are dark oak trees and acacia trees and everything on this map you can bring them back to the central island start generating more interesting materials and then because you have access to flowers you can dye materials so you can set up a sheep farm and dye some wool as long as you set up a an area of grass nearby that could generate passive mobs then you can get sheep cows pigs and so forth to spawn the way they do naturally in vanilla because there is no terrain around them they you know they, they don't have anywhere else to spawn so once you've set up a grass platform far enough away from where the player is then you're going to find animals spawn so then you can use the wool for colored blocks you can farm some sand and some gravel if you want to start making concrete and at that point all of the rest of the stuff that's in vanilla minecraft becomes available to you you effectively just have to know how to farm it so i kind of treat it like that it's sort of like a tech progression but in a different way to vanilla where you could just go out and have iron tools instantly you know i'm right. mainly working towards my next objectives being explore the nether fortress get blazes so that i can uh make a potion brewing stand brew some splash potions of weakness because i've already been farming spiders for spider eyes i have mushrooms from a nearby island that has mycelium and mushrooms on it and i can grow sugarcane because they give you one piece of sugarcane in the starter chest so that you can grow that next to water sources and then from there i want to be able to have splash potions of weakness and golden apples which are just you know the apples from oak trees the gold from zombie pigmen which are easy to farm in the nether because there is a void world and you're effectively making a, a zombie pigman farm as basic as you want to but you're getting spawn rates like you would on the nether roof uh so there's there's a lot that goes into it but then once you have villagers you can set up a nice easy iron farm especially now iron farms are relatively straightforward thanks to all of the changes they went through in 114 it's probably a lot easier to build an iron farm in skyblock now than it used to be um, right. and you don't have to worry too much about villager professions because you can alter those uh and so you can effectively start hammering out all of the other stuff you could do with villagers uh once you have resources to trade with them you could buy diamond tools from toolsmiths and armorers and suddenly the fact that you can't acquire diamonds in skyblock becomes a lot more easy to manage um in sky factory 3 i believe the way you ended up 
going through that in the modded progression, you could just get raw diamonds by sieving the right materials with the right sieves. So eventually, once you got down to sieving gravel and dust and that kind of stuff, raw materials would drop out of those that sometimes would end up being a rare chance of having diamonds or redstone or something like that. So there were ways of getting those that were not necessarily akin to the vanilla kind of way of doing things. But as far as I'm aware in this Skyblock pack, the end dimension is generated normally because the end is effectively like a giant set of sky islands anyway, so it kind of makes right. sense. But the only way to acquire raw diamonds without them being diamond armor from villagers or diamond tools is to fly out to one of the end cities or to, to bridge out to one of the end cities and um, you know, find diamonds in a loot chest there. <laughs> so so the difference really is you're, you're just you're working towards different objectives now that you can't achieve just by going mining. I yeah. I want I want to start farming stuff like snow, but I can't justify using two iron on shears so that I can shear a pumpkin. You know, these are the kind of things that you have to think right. about in in a skyblock pack that just don't cross your mind at all. Like two iron is nothing in in regular default no. Minecraft, but in this pack it is iron is everything. At a, at a certain point and people were asking me why i haven't been fishing to get enchanted books and i said how am i going to apply them to my tools an anvil needs 34 iron and i can't <laughs> i can't justify spending two yeah. iron on shears so yeah. it's it's ultimately yeah it, it changes your priorities and that's effectively was... what modded minecraft does as well but this is you know done on, on such a basic level and this is something that somebody with a basic understanding of vanilla minecraft could find a real challenge yeah, and this might be a good way for me to kind of like dip into, I won't say modded Minecraft, but we'll say like, you know, a, hmm, an alternate way to play the game, which is what modded is, but this sounds like a an alternate way to play where all of the mechanics are basically going to be stuff I already know. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's not, it's not really going to be at a left field where I'm trying to figure out how to program a block that like crushes things and auto inserts and like, you know, pipes and how do those work and why are they different than hoppers? And like, so there's like, there's a lot of stuff that I've, I'm watching in some of the heavier modded series that I've been taking in that, um, I don't, it's not like I don't understand them. It's just that it's hard to really grasp the full mod when you're not hands-on. Yeah. Um, especially when you're watching someone play it, that, that is playing despite taking the time to explain what they're doing also playing very quickly so they're explaining something but then the screen flicks by at like mach 7 and you're just like okay he, he, they saw what they were doing but i didn't yeah uh, and and so stuff like that when you have the time to like look at the ui decide what it means realize that that same ui is probably very similar in other blocks from that mod pack then then you can kind of learn to go on from there so i'm not sure if i would want to do a mod like a skyblock series like a vanilla skyblock or if i would want to try to do like a, a lightly modded skyblock and i don't know i don't know which would which would you recommend for someone that's looking to get into a different experience would you suggest a modded skyblock because uh, that from what i've heard anecdotally it just becomes like a quest book checkbox of like just do this thing next yeah i mean it depends how much guidance you want because if you want you can play in a default modded world like a, a kind of a, a modded world that has terrain generation <laughs> unlike yes, yeah. the skyblock packs you can effectively play that like vanilla minecraft and then just dip into the mods whenever you feel like they would be necessary and so that's that's the advice that that Iskal gives on his vods people ask him all the time how do i get into minecraft or how do i get into modded this is so intimidating there's so much stuff and he always just says just play minecraft and then when you hit a block of like 
I can't do this in vanilla, you can kind of go, oh, ding, I'm playing a mod pack. What mod pack is going to give me just enough to accomplish the thing that I want to do? Maybe it's just hiding a light source. You know, maybe it's just crafting a better weapon. Um, a lot of times things that come up are, um, I think it's Tinker's Construct. Is that the thing where you smelt down a bunch of stuff and then yeah. you can cast? Yeah, with, you the can basically... with the giant like black brick smeltery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so you, you cast the head of your pickaxe separate from the handle and what you make each out of gives you different cool capabilities with the particular tool, whether it's mining three by three or magnet that picks up stuff for you. Like there's all these different things that it does. And that to me is like one of those bottlenecks where it's like, well, I've got a diamond pickaxe and that's kind of the ceiling for me. So what else can I do? And that's when you can kind of like naturally progress into the mods that kind of then extend the, the, the gameplay of Minecraft past what is generally considered the end game. And so for me, because I don't have a lot of time for a new series of play, it's just like, well, do I want to do a vanilla skyblock or do I, want to, do I want to try a lightly modded skyblock or do I want to just drop myself into world terrain generation, some cool thing like biome bundle or uh, multiple biomes or whatever they are uh, with a bunch of other mods. And I think the problem that a lot of people that face modded Minecraft uh, think is that just because you're playing a mod pack that has 30, 40 mods in it, doesn't mean you have to use them all yes <laughs> right like yeah. you can just use the ones that interest you and if you're not using the other ones well then the only thing the only sacrifice that you're making is a slightly lo longer load time when you load up the mod pack but other than that if you're not going to use them well then who cares you know like i uh, just don't use them you know if you find them to not well, i want to say cheaty but a lot of the criticism uh, that i've heard about modded i've not experienced myself is that in some mod packs and some things there are a lot of like one block solutions and and i side with the idea that that to me doesn't sound fun mm -hmm. like i love the sorting system and water system that i designed on my own uh and and made underneath the block bank in my modern city now the components are not my design i'm not a, a redstone you know savant so i i took an item sorter i took a uh, uh an auto dropper circuit i took a uh, shulker box uh, unloader, the loader I made on my own, which I was pretty impressed with, but the unloader I needed to look up, I couldn't figure that out. But I've combined those components into a design that works for me in that situation and had to come up with some creative solutions to use water instead of hoppers everywhere and things like that. I really liked that. I don't want one block that just sorts all my stuff for me, right? Yeah. Like that to me is boring. And so that's where I'm just like, that's why I think the appeal for me here in in a vanilla skyblock series is like all the water mechanics and all the things that i know in minecraft are going to work the same i'm just gated in that those become precious yeah. you know the the dark rooms become precious and while there is a grind to get your cobblestone and to get your early materials once you get to the point where you can maybe get some tnt going because of the new tnt mechanics you can actually get wood and and stone and stuff a little bit easier uh, the other thing is, um, oh, I was going to, there was a point that I had to make and it was just blanked on me right now. Wow. Anyway, sorry. Move on. <laughs> I, I had, I had two important points about vanilla skyblock and the last one just completely escaped me. If I think about it, I'll come back to it. But essentially it just sounds like a way to, um, return to that early experience in Minecraft where you have to punch a tree you know, and you have to find iron. And I've been playing in an established world for so long. Like, like you said, two iron is nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, like we, our iron farm on the Citadel is broken, has been for almost a year. And 
we haven't fixed it because no one's needed to. Yeah. <laughs> because we all, either because of the holes we've dug out uh, or because of uh, the fact that I made a shulker box full of iron blocks before we lost the iron farm. Like I just, I haven't needed to go back. Yeah. Uh, it's slowly dwindling. So me and Alistair do want to fix it. But um, uh, I just, I remembered my other point. The mob farm thing. Uh, you, you're grinding to create stone and stuff at first, but the grind of clearing out a space for an efficient mob farm in vanilla Minecraft is eliminated because you have the void. Yes. You're already there. And, you, so and you, a... also, you also have just the sheer efficiency of there being nothing else in the surrounding area that can spawn mobs. Therefore, yes. yeah. whatever, whatever rates you've got there are going to be optimized for whatever elevation you're building it at. And obviously, if you're building yep. right down at the bottom of the world, then you can have the maximum possible spawning rates like in uh, yep. Nembon's Ender Mini uh, Enderman Farm or so, yes, so on and so forth. Yeah. Like my, yeah, yeah, yeah. my passive mob spawning platform is right at the bottom of the void in the overworld. I was able to... Nice make a uh, a pillar of water a pillar of lava and just kind of make a pillar of cobblestone down there and then from there i spread out into making a hostile mob farm and a passive mob farm and now i don't even need to breed the animals down there because if i kill them and then i go away a ton more will show up within a couple of minutes if that nice. and so th those are mechanics that if you know them you can exploit them i think probably my parting shot here because i know we're running a little bit long is that i think skyblock is a really great way of recontextualizing what you know about vanilla Minecraft and understanding exactly how to use materials that are scarce and how to take advantage of materials that are plentiful, understanding how the renewable mechanics work and also understanding what you need to treat with care. But also it rewards a kind of minutia of knowledge about certain mechanics like here is the, the the best example of it in cycraft's playthrough and i think in previous other playthroughs that other folks have done but cycraft is the most recent one and the one that everyone keeps reminding me about they pointed out that you don't actually have to brew a splash potion of weakness to cure a zombie villager because there are circumstances if you are close enough to a witch you don't have the weakness effect already there is a 25 percent chance that a witch will throw a potion of weakness and you can have that splash the zombie villager, then feed it a golden apple, and then go ahead with the curing process for that villager. So it there are actually like little details in there in the way wow. Minecraft behavior is coded that you can exploit in a, a situation like Skyblock where resources are scarce that is immensely rewarding for people who have that encyclopedic knowledge of Minecraft or are willing to comb the Minecraft wiki for that nugget of information that's going to make a difference. Now, personally, I'm not going to go that route because trapping a witch, trapping a zombie villager, and then dealing with the witch throwing poison and slowness potions at me forever does not seem like my idea of a good time. And I'm I'm a lot happier following what you think of as the traditional progression of potion brewing and so forth. But the fact that it can be done a bunch of different ways, even in these limited conditions, is what makes vanilla Skyblock really interesting to me. So that's what I wanted nice. to go go over. Um, that's probably going to be it for this episode of The Spawn Chunks. Thank you so much for listening to our discussion, folks. You can find out more information about the show and links to some of the things we've talked about. You can find those at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn, Trunk, the Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat, get us closer to our next milestone goals, 
And you can also join a wonderful community of 153 patrons, which is another increase from last week. Thank you so much, folks, for your support. And special thanks go out to our content engineers, Cameron Sigelski, Greener Canuck, JD Williamson, and Yitz for their support on this episode. I am really looking forward to hitting that live recording day where the Discord members could listen in to us do this live. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yes, definitely. We've done a couple of Hangout sessions like that before that have recorded and gone up on the patrons-only feed, and that would effectively be the formula we would use every week up until that point. So, super cool. Yeah, it'd be great. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show, and it's free. You can find us at The Spun Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but a personal recommendation is by far the best way to share the podcast with your friends and help The Spun Chunks stand out amongst the 700,000 podcasts that are out there. It takes a solid, solid recommendation from a friend to do that. So if you're talking to server mates, if you're talking on your favorite Minecraft form, whatever it is, share the show around. It really does help us grow. You'd be surprised how often that, that helps. You can email the show like so many others have at thespunchunks.gmail.com gmail.com thank you so much for all the emails over the holidays we are still combing through them next week is going to be our chunk mail episode we are going to try and get through as many as we can uh it's just it's too many to answer um by hand on our own but we're going to try and jam as many as we can into the next episode you can also subscribe on itunes android stitcher and spotify as well as youtube and the rss feed is on the spongechunks.com the patron only rss feed is as you suspect on the patreon page and that is the only place where you can listen to the render distance the extended version of the podcast my name is johnny but online i go by pixel riffs and you can find most of what i do at youtube.com slash pixel riffs where that skyblock series is currently ongoing as well as my usual series the minecraft survival guide i stream three days a week on twitch skyblock will be getting into the rotation there as well and i'm also the voice of the unofficial hermitcraft recap which you can find through a quick youtube search aside from that i'm at pixel riffs on both twitter and instagram joel where can people find you online Everything I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. And that's going to need an update because I've been doing some Twitch emote designs, which you can see live on Twitch when uh, you go to twitch.tv slash joelduggan. If you're interested in other podcasts I do, you can listen to the Citadel Cafe. That's a new episode every Wednesday. I'm going to be talking with Brockett this week. And hopefully Johnny and I are going to have a chance to catch up on the Citadel Cafe soon and talk about Star Wars. Uh, The uh, rest of everything for me is all social media under my name, Joel Duggan. Super easy to find. Just depends on where you like to hang your social media hat. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, but sometimes the iron is not.